Alleluia, Christ is risen. In the name of Jesus, amen. When I served my parish in Charlotte, North Carolina, just on the border of North and South Carolina, I had the opportunity to serve as well as a, a trained firefighter and a fire chaplain. And one of the first opportunities I had to serve as a chaplain for the fire department was at their annual Christmas dinner. Right before the Christmas dinner started with all the firefighters and with all of their families there, the chaplain, Paul Blackwelder, came up to me and said, Chappie, we want you to pray. We want you to pray before the meal. We've never had a chaplain before, and it's about time that we have somebody who knows how to pray to pray before our meal. So I offered up a prayer, and after the prayer, Paul, in his sort of old English Southern way of speaking, said, I declare that was a professional prayer. It was professional. And I looked at Paul and I said, good, because I said that's $25. He turned around and looked at me and said, well, as far as I can recollect, you have ridden several times in the captain's chair in an engine, and that's $50 a ride. I smiled and looked at Paul and I said, but I pray for you every day. Do the math. <laughs> we often have been asked before a meal or a meeting, would anyone like to open with prayer? My guess is at some point in your life, whether it's in a meeting or a class or before a meal, you've been asked and you've experienced that phenomenon where the room of God's people all of a sudden kind of go against the wall and look at each other like, please don't look at me. But you are God's people, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are fed with his word. You are given the body and blood of Christ in this life-giving meal that not only forgives you of your sins, but strengthens you in all faith. You have been promised that anything you ask in prayer through Jesus' name will be heard. We will be asked to pray, yes, so why are we at times so hesitant? Why are we so silent? You'd think that of all of the people in the world, the baptized believers in God would be jumping at the opportunity. But then five seconds go by, 10 and 15. The clock is the only thing you hear in the room, tick-tock, tick-tock, and there is silence. And if the pastor is there, there's not even that awkward moment. Whether it's a meeting or a meal, pastor, would you please open us with prayer, which is fine. It's what I am tending to do at times. You've almost certainly been out in public or at a friend's house for dinner, and when it comes time, you might even just simply say, let's skip the prayer. Maybe even if you have guests at your house when you normally pray before a meal or some other time, you just kind of go on beyond all that. It's easier Then no one will look at us like we're weird. We don't want to be showy or even more let anyone know that we actually believe in Christianity and what God gives to us. It's embarrassing. We'd rather not put up with the harassment over that. Why is that? Why are we so hesitant to speak to God, which is really what prayer is, just simply talking to God? My guess is that we have turned prayer into some sort of burden. 
rather than the great gift that it is. That's what we do, though, with God's gifts. These things tend to be a burden, an obligation, something that we have to go through the motions and the routine. Been there, done that before. Baptism is not the life-giving waters given to a child or to an adult where the gift of the Holy Spirit is given and the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of sins is given. It's just something that we do to make grandma or grandpa happy. Communion is just because you have to, not the bread of life coming down from heaven where God feeds you his son to forgive you, to strengthen your faith, and to give you a foretaste of that feast to come. Going to church and dwelling in the word of God seems more like an obligation. Studying God's word, reading God's word, seems like a long list of all the other things that we have to do as Christians. But what have we learned over the last year when these things have been absent from us? What have we truly learned when we cannot get together with the family of God, with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Like any good thing that's taken away from us, we tend to increase increase with our hunger and our joy in those things that we've given up. This is why when it comes time for the season of Lent or whenever we're praying, fasting, and giving, we don't ever fast from those things that are sinful. As the lack of coming into this place, receiving all the blessings of God's word, offering up all of the prayers and praises to God, has that been void in our life? Or do we see and find ourselves hungering more and more for these things of God? There's a funny thing that I have noticed after being a pastor for close to 19 years. It's something that comes with the territory. People, and it doesn't matter what congregation it is, it's all across the board. People will often say, oh, pastor, I I know you're busy, and so I don't want to take too much time, or I don't mean to bother you, or I even find out later that there was a problem, a hospitalization, an illness, a surgery, whatever else it is, and people will say, I just didn't want to bother you. The reality is, though, I wouldn't put my phone number on my business card, I wouldn't put my email out there and everything else like that if I didn't want to be contacted. You can call me pretty much any time as a pastor with any kind of thoughts or concerns that you have. You can come to my door here in the office. You can sit down and make a discussion of anything that you want. I am your pastor and I'm never too busy for you. Ask me whatever you want. I've probably heard it before. But what's most strange for me in that way is is that it's not just with the pastor. I often think that we think that Jesus is like that too. Too busy. Why bother asking for prayer? This problem is not probably a problem everybody else has, so I'm just not going to bother when speaking to God about it. Do we really think that Jesus is too busy to hear us in his name? Absolutely not. He wants to hear from you. He's given you access. He says to pray to him, to call upon him in all things. This is not an obligation for you as a bunch of peasants with our king. It's not the superior saying to his inferiors, you can speak to me when it's a privilege 
and an honor when you think of it this way. This is not privileged communication. This is speaking to God. It's speaking to Jesus, true God and true man. Your brother, King Jesus, rules the universe, but he has been there in every sort of way and fashion that you have. Scripture says he was tempted in every way, yet without sin, he even has gone through death, and he has overcome it. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So he wants to hear from you. He wants you to speak whatever is on your heart and mind in his name. Now, the reality is, is that as a pastor, this is what I'm obligated to do for you, is to pray for you and on behalf of you and the entire church. But I'm not God. And I have to admit, in my own selfish sort of way, that at times with coming here and serving you in the midst of these awkward and unusual times, I really feel like I barely know a lot of you here. So many of you I still speak to through a camera in your living room. It's been difficult because this is not how I'm used to serving as a pastor. We put all of this stuff out there, and yet at times it seems like we don't hear a whole lot back. But then those bright spots happen, those joyous spots happen. Someone sends me a card or a text. They may thank me for something, or they may say, hey, I'd like for you to finally come and visit. Then somebody also says, hey, I have a question about something you said in Bible class or a sermon, and I love these things. When somebody says, hey, can you pray for me, or can you visit me, or can you show me something in the Bible to help me with this, this absolutely makes my day. I get to be a pastor to people, and that's really what it means. And even more so, I get to pray for you and with you. Not because my prayers are more powerful or more better. In fact, I would dare say that if I did start charging $25 per prayer, every board meeting, every elders meeting, every church meeting would have somebody else in the room stand up and offer to pray. And that's okay. You all have the same access that I do. Just because I stand up here, robed up here with all these lights and everything else, just because I have the title of reverend before my name, doesn't mean that my prayers are any more powerful or professional than yours. It doesn't mean that, hey, can you offer up some words to the big guy upstairs because I know you have a better connection than I do, Pastor. That's hogwash. You have all been given equal access to the Father through the Son. But it's also what I'm supposed to do as a pastor, is to pray on behalf of you. Because many times when the fears and the cares and the worries of this life weigh us down, we don't know how to pray. I think that's why the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. They were seeing everything that was going on around them. They were hearing all the responses of the people. They heard from the enemies of Jesus and them, and they were worried about what was going to happen. And so when Jesus teaches them how to pray, he gives them the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer that is known far and wide by Christians and non-Christians. And it is not a prayer that is simply rote. 
It is not something that we say and think, well, it doesn't seem as impassioned or as personal as I'd really like. This is what Jesus tells us in all things to say. Our Father. And as we speak those things, we are speaking the words of Jesus back to Jesus. We're speaking exactly what he wants us to say. So don't be shy. Don't be bashful. Send me a text, write me a note or an email, call me up and say, would you pray for me about this? I'm never going to look at you and say, what's the matter? This is such a trivial thing. You really want me to pray for this? No. If this is something that's truly bothering you, something that you would like more prayers for, continue to reach out. Would anyone like to open us in prayer? When you hear those words, don't be embarrassed and don't be afraid to speak. Jesus is not so different than us. He's more like us than we ever really know. But what should we pray for, we might say? Sometimes I think we worry more about prayer than actually praying. Perhaps it used to be more complicated, but we're given a wonderful field manual for our life of prayer. It's called the small catechism. The small catechism basically says that when we wake up in the morning, make the sign of the cross and pray like this, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The same name which you were given at your baptism. It's your name. It's your family name. It is our community name. That is the name by which we pray. It's the name by which we live. And even more so, it's the name by which you have your very identity and being. You can offer up a prayer in no other name now. You have been placed into the name of the Holy Trinity. And all of your prayers are offered up in the name of Jesus. So when you rise, when you eat, when you lay down to sleep, when you go to the park, when you get in your car, when you stop in at some friend's house, when you are sitting at your desk at work at a moment of silence, pray. Pray about everything. And as Luther likes to say, when it comes to prayer, the less the words, the better. Lord Jesus, help me. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, strengthen me in this time of temptation. He loves to hear. And if you ask for the wrong thing, guess what Jesus is going to do? He's never going to give you something that is bad for you, and he's always going to give you what is good for you, or even that, something better. The other thing to think about prayer is that it isn't magic. God isn't bound to our prayers like that. If you ask for the wrong thing, he isn't going to wonder how you're going to get out of this jam. You're his child. He has claimed you as his own. And like any children, whether we're two years old or 90 years old, children ask for weird things all the time. You mothers today, it's your day. Have your kids ever asked you for something weird? Hey, we just got done saying our prayers before bedtime. Can I have a full-size Snickers bar? No, you wouldn't do that. At least I hope you wouldn't. You parents, you mothers, you do what's best for them. 
We simply ask because we are his children and he loves to hear from you, his children, at all times. We've also been given this gift today as a reminder that we pray especially for the kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Your leaders, your president, your vice president, your governor, your mayor, your congress, they are not there to be mocked. They are there to be prayed for. Not even Nero, who burned so many Christians alive, was mocked. But Paul says through Timothy to pray for all of your leaders who are in high position over you. Your leaders are given by the Lord to order the world, that peace would flourish. Pray for them, especially now. You can certainly pray that they would do God's will, certainly not stray away from the word of God, but in all things, it is not up to you to decide who is truly in authority over us because Jesus, as he tells Pilate, says to all leaders of the world, you would not have any authority if it had not come from on high. In the end, they will have to answer to God for their ways. But even more so, as we continue on in this life and as we call out as his beloved children, no matter what we face, take heart from what Jesus says today. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. He has done all that through his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So let our prayers be in accord with this great wisdom. He has rid you of sin, death, and the devil. And prayer, speaking to him, is not a burden, but a great honor given to you, his dear children, who will come to his table today and feast upon him. You are his adopted children. You are his sons and daughters. And you are part of the family of God. Take heart. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And even today, he is here ready and waiting to hear from you. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.